studios of WORQ in Wisconsin. This is the Stand Up For The Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up For The Truth. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. So uh, we are going to jump right into it today because there's so much to cover because we're still in the month of June. Um, also known as Pride Month, but not really uh, celebrated in most churches that way, but in our culture, in corporations, in the public schools, in universities, and on and on and on. We've got an expert on that. We're going to talk about uh, the 30 days of Pride Month pushback that Pastor Scott Lively has been working on, and we're going to be talking about how you can respond to this onslaught of pride, the hijacking of God's rainbow, corporate wokeness, and so many other issues. Scott Lively, welcome back to the podcast. So good to be back with you guys. Yeah, we. I, I've been loving your uh, emails. And by the way, where can people sign up to get your emails? ScottLively.net. That's easy. Uh, you, can, you can subscribe there. And uh, also, I've got the first 21 days of, uh, of the 30-day pushback. All those articles are there in a special page that you can find yep. in the button bar. Yeah, I want to talk about Reagan, too, the new one. That's that's interesting. But I want to ask you first about this breaking news. It's not really breaking because Nancy Pelosi and Barack Obama and others have been talking about this for quite some time, pushing the so-called Equality Act. And uh, Alliance Defending Freedom came out yesterday and said a government-mandated view of sexuality and identity creates devastating consequences for children, women, and people of faith. Congress should reject laws and policies like the misnamed Equality Act. Tell us your thoughts and concerns about this, Scott. Yeah, well, well, several of us formed a coalition a few years ago when they first came out with the Equality Act. It's really like the the final nail in the coffin if we allowed it to go through. Uh, Hmm. You know, you cannot have, you know, what... What fellowship has Christ with Belial? You know, it is, uh, it's, they're incompatible. These are mutually exclusive, contradictory worldviews. The, the, the view that of the, the natural family having primacy in society versus sexual anarchy. And that's what the Equality Act is total sexual anarchy across the board. The worst thing we've ever faced. And, uh, our coalition was called Gone Too Far. Mm. Uh, and uh, and we helped to to kill that at that time, uh, and we rejoiced about that. And w- it, and it was we were surprised we were able to kill it because these guys have so much power. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but we did, and but now it's come back, and apparently they think they can push it through now when they couldn't then, and maybe they can. I don't know. It's this is the, the slippery slope just gets slippery every day do you think that they believe they've got the momentum on their side or do you just think this is just let's just reintroduce this because it's part of their agenda well i i think they do have the momentum on their side even Mm -hmm. though there's a there's an anti-groomer movement going on right now that represents kind of a pushback but uh but it's a but it's split and it, it's split between those who only want to focus on transgenderism, which is the cutting edge. It's the, it's the new battle that's being fought. And a, but a large number of the anti-groomers 
are fully willing to go along with the with the LGB part mm. of the agenda, Without all the, the homosexual stuff and the the bisexuality and all that. They they they've decided. Even Trump had decided. Well, that's a lost cause. You know, we just have to accept it. But you can't. You can't accept it mm-hmm. you because can't. because the you know your conclusions are dictated by your presuppositions. And if your presupposition is that discrimination against homosexuality is morally wrong, you've lost the entire battle. Yep. It's just a matter of time before the, you know, inertia will, will protect you for a while. But after a while, there's nothing left to, to, to defend the barricades. And that's where we are. Yes. I wish more people were keeping up with things like this. because, By the way, they come up with so many great titles for their radical leftist antichrist agendas. Who would who would disagree with with equality, Scott? Yeah, I mean, you know really. what I mean. They're really good yeah, at the well, linguistics. At the beginning, you know, the very the beginning of the modern uh, homosexual movement uh, started in pre-Nazi Germany, eighteen sixties. They invented the word homosexual to sort of sanitize it because it was it was all known by the term sodomy before. Mm. Wow. And uh, and then the early nineteen twenties, they're the ones who launched the you know the the most powerful pro-homosexual organization in the world at that time was the German Society for Human Rights. Human Rights. Wow. All the way back then. And the most prominent member of that organization was Ernst Röhm, the head of the Nazi brown shirts, who was a homosexual. Mm. And, uh, and, 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 and a German-American soldier from the U.S. who was, who was part of the, the uh, occupying force of Americans there post-World War One came back to the United States and formed the American chapter of the Society for Human Rights in Chicago, Illinois, December 10th, 1924. Wow. All this stuff is linked. Mm. It's one long, continuous progression of sexual anarchy under the cover of sexual freedom uh, and human rights. Wow. Wow. And I see in this article that David referenced, uh, Kristen Wagner, I believe she's with the Heritage Foundation, uh, she says the deceptively named uh, Equality Act hides behind promises of tolerance and empowerment. Well, you know, let's just raise another flag to hypocrisy, right? Because yeah. um, you're, you're punishing <laughs> others. Whenever you see that, you can guarantee there's the other side of that coin is punishing someone, in this case, punishing, uh, norm, you know, citizens uh, for their views on biological sex. So another... That's right. Normal people. Yes. Yes. Normal, normal people. <laughs> Don't hesitate. Normal. Okay, I, was, I wasn't sure if I wanted to phrase it that way or not, but no, I, that is absolutely how I have to yeah. phrase it. Yeah. And, and because, but they'll come back so hard when you when they hear that. But that's what you. We have to speak plain truth unequivocally, yes. without apology. Yes. Otherwise, they're going to steamroll us mm-hmm. again, like they've done all along. The more we hesitate, the more we equivocate, so that we don't seem to be hateful or or mean-spirited or whatever, they've got us. It's like throwing chum in the water, and the sharks will tear you up. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to stand boldly for the truth like John the Baptist and be willing to have your head cut off for the sake of the truth of the mm-hmm. gospel being able to be declared in the world. That's the battle we're in. It's the, it's the ultimate spiritual battle of the earth. And for God's own reason... He has used this LGBT agenda and this issue as the litmus test for his church mm. and for civilization itself. Uh, we, before we got on the podcast today, Scott Lively, you said, I, I think we uh, uh, are still in the test, but we failed the test and we continue to fail the litmus test. Is that correct? Yeah, it's a, you know, just, you can always turn around at any point. You know, God mm. accepts um, repentance 
at any stage that you find yourself in in sin. There's no there's no point of no return uh, for you know while there's while there's life there's hope and and uh, and you know so that having been said, the further you go down a path of reprobation, the harder it is to to turn around and repent. Mm-hmm. That's why Romans one. Uh, Paul lays out the sequence, beginning with the idea that they suppress the truth and unrighteousness, mm-hmm. and then that their foolish hearts are darkened as a result of that. And because they begin accepting falsehoods in the place of truth, they ultimately end up worshiping the creation instead of the Creator, and are given over to a reprobate mind which can no longer recognize the truth, because so mm-hmm. much of what they believe is false. That's where, mm-hmm. you know, that's almost where we are. There's, there's a, still a little window. Yeah. But, uh, but it's, and this, and this anti-groomer movement is very hopeful, very hopeful that there's a populist uprising against all this. But is it too little too late? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're still suppressing the truth about, for example, I've got an article here about some, a, a detransitioner, a teenager that says, I completely regret everything I have done. And they made this person a poster child on MTV in 2016 in a documentary called Transformation. And uh, Milo, who was born a girl, uh, recently posted a 27-minute uh, video uh, that detailed her thoughts and said uh, she changed everything. Her name, her birth certificate, her Social Security, everything's changed to Milo and male. But now she – basically, I'm going to – quote her and then I'll let you respond. She says, I think I was misguided. I was rushed into treatment before I explored all possible avenues of my feelings. Uh, I think I completely regret everything I've done. I've been miserable. Everything I started when I was 14. So Scott, you're not going to hear that in the mainstream media or by any um, liberal Democrat media source. That was over at the Blaze. There's other Daily Wire and there's some conservative outlets that will report on this. But it's a disservice to those who are in pain and anguish, and they are detransitioning now. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, that's a lot of people make very terrible mistakes, and, uh, and it's good that they are able to repent of it. But see, this, this kind of, of uh, you know positive news stories that we can pass among ourselves, you know, that that's great. But we we were doing the same thing twenty, thirty years ago on the homosexual issue itself, and. You know, before even gay marriage came up, and and that uh, they they throw bones to the older people, right? <laughs> These bones are, are are for for the older people. Mm. It's the kids that they want. This kid that got got hooked, uh, you know, a long time ago, is now older and waking up to what they've done to her. Mm. But. Uh, the, these kinds of stories, they never get to the young people, mm-hmm. and that uh, and that those are the ones who need to hear it. All it is, it's sort of a sop to us, because, you know, we think, oh, you know, there's hope. We're going to be able to stop this nonsense. Only just a few more people hear about this story. But, uh, but it's not the case, because our adversaries have almost complete control over the informational system yes. that the kids are c- completely immersed in. And that the chance that a 15-year-old uh, who's struggling with these ideas is going to see this article and be affected by it yeah. is almost—it's almost non-existent. You're right. Mm-hmm. So our our job. This is the one thing. If you really want to do something out there, um, don't focus educating on educating all the adults around you. Focus on the kids. 
to find a way, work, get, find a workaround around all these barriers that they have around these kids and get to the kids themselves with this information. Get it to the, get it to the 12 year olds and the 13 year olds and don't, and stop trying to, you know, stop being part of an echo chamber where all the conservatives uh, patting themselves on the back for standing up to the latest outrage. We are going to talk now about your 30 days of Pride Month pushback because, Scott, Christians need to know how they can respond to this, speak truth into this, and, you know, take the hits if need be. Mary, where do you want to start? Uh, I'm thinking about this young person, just sort of a segue into that, mm-hmm. and how um, they're just, they're losing heart. You know, I, I read her story. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of um, suicide among these kids. And I, yes. and I thought to myself, I think what they're finally understanding is that if you change gender, you really just erase yourself. You don't become another gender. I mean, genetically, you don't become another gender. And we saw that with the Bud Light mess. But <laughs> but the other thing that, the thing that um, I'm leading to here is you've been linking transhumanism to the LGBTQ movement. And this was part of your uh, 30 days of pushback. Um, and you talk about the, the LGBT agenda represents not just a coalition of dysfunctions, but a chronology of state uh, stages, and you say transgenderism is the penultimate stage of deconstruction of civilization. And I don't know of anyone who's talking about transgenderism like you are in this. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, how does how do we connect those dots? Yeah, yeah. This if well, if think about it this way: that think of think of uh, of of humanity. You know, God's civilization, Judeo-Christian civilization, as a tree in which the in which the the, the tips of the branches of this big tree are the refinements of civilization. What the LGBT chronology of of events and and ideologies is is killing the tree from the tips of the branches to the root by dismantling Judeo-Christian civilization as it's structured in the Bible, hmm. so that the attacks in the 1950s on on the on the institution of marriage itself as something as the exclusive venue for for male female sexuality, um, and then each one of those stages is killing the first the tips of the branches, then the branches, then the trunk, then the roots. If you, when we're we're in the final stages of that, where the normalization of homosexuality is the is is defying and and overthrowing Genesis two twenty seven. Therefore shall man leave his, his family and cleave unto his wife, they'll become one flesh. And then beneath that, even more fundamental than that, is Genesis one twenty seven, and which which says God made us in his image, male and female. That yes. is heterosexual binary reality. Yes. That's what transgenderism is attacking and destroying. And there's one more step beneath that in which God separated the created things into kinds, that, and that where humans are different from animals, and transhumanism is the the evolution of the sciences of robotics, uh, genetics, uh, artificial intelligence, all being sort of interwoven together to create the sense that man can recreate himself, a better version of himself, by blending humans and animals and machines which is the deconstruction of the most fundamental truth of the Bible, that we are separate from the animals, we're created distinctly as the crown of creation. So this is a satanic agenda that has as its goal the elimination and defilement of humanity 
And it's been done through the, the sexual revolution, which is the ultimate threat to uh, the, the Judeo Christian order. Mm. Because everything in the Judeo Christian order is built upon this idea that we're created in God's image, male and female, to be one flesh, to raise children, to, 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 um, to, to replace us in the next generation, and to improve upon what we did following the guidance of Christ. Hmm. That's wow. interesting because it almost let, uh, lends a little more insight into Romans 1 because, you know, when, when man gets to the point where their mind is no longer of use the way it's supposed to be used, the way God designed it, now there's worshiping the creature. You know, that's an interesting exactly connection. Right. Exactly and I, right. Yeah, I never, I never saw that before because why would it say that specifically? And I think it, it's an allusion to what you are saying. I've, that's exactly right because that's what we are doing. Mm-hmm. We are now, we're mm-hmm. growing hearts, human hearts inside the pigs. Wow. Uh, we are, we're playing around. We're cloning animals. Um, we are, you know, e- Elon Musk has this Neuralink thing where they're mm-hmm. planting chips inside people's brains to bypass the, the, um, the, the, the physical electronics and make the body, you know, there's always a, an, an, uh, a, a positive spin on all this and an altruistic motive. But ultimately, what it comes down to is, this and the, the the very very foundation of it all is about the garden, right? We were kicked out of the garden because we ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and God kicked us out in order to protect what? The tree of life, the tree of life, the ultimate expression of God's hand in the universe is the tree of life. And now, what transhumanism represents is that is the very thing that God was trying to prevent, where where we are declaring ourselves or, or trying to make ourselves immortal by by gaining control of the tree of life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, I mean, that's very esoteric and sort of outside the ballpark, but, <laughs> you know, this that's it's, like, it's the end stage of all this. People need to keep the big picture that, mm-hmm. you know, when, when, when you... When you fall prey to the idea that you can't discriminate against people because of their sexual orientation, you are handing a victory to the devil. You are required by God to discriminate against sin. You're required mm-hmm. by God to do that and, and to tolerate sin, right? Mm. To, is to, to put up with it, to allow it to become the guiding social value of your nation wow. is to be given over collectively to a reprobate mind and earn the wrath of God, just like the people who, uh, before the flood, you know, the rabbis said that that God brought the flood because they started writing wedding songs to homosexual marriages and bestial marriages. That was the last straw. And the last straw in in the incident that God put in the scriptures, Sodom and Gomorrah, is to be the example of the last day's destruction by fire, yes, it's the it's that it's the same issue, and then Judges nineteen, the the the, the Benjamite uh, civil war, the attempt to do to the Levite what the what the uh, the Sodomites tried to do to the two angels, right? All through Scripture, the the the, the public endorsement and embrace of the, of, of homosexuality specifically is the harbinger of the wrath of God, and which is, which is very disturbing when you look at where we are right now yes. as America. Yes, it, it is. And I, the church is still here. Um, Jesus has not returned yet. We have not been raptured. We are still fighting this battle. 
And yet our government at the White House flies the gay pride flag proudly next to the American flag. And Mary and I were talking, Scott, before we got you on the line about the fact that 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 is often a sign when you plant your flag, you have conquered territory or a nation. And like when you go to war, you win, you put your flag up. What are your thoughts on that and how the Biden administration is clearly signaling, trying to, to the nation? That's well, that's exactly right. If you look in, uh, I mean, speaking of last day's, you know, eschatology, uh, if you look in uh, Revelation chapter 6, when it's talking about the sequence of things, you know, Revelation 6 matches up with, with uh, Matthew 24. You know, the four horsemen of the apocalypse are the four stages uh, of, the, um, of, of, the, of the beginning of sorrows. And the, this idea of the, of the Antichrist, right, the white horse, the, the false messiah who rises, it says in, in, uh, in Revelation chapter 6 that he is given he is given a uh, a sword. He's, he's given the ability to to to, uh, to conquer, but he already holds the bow, which is the rainbow. It's the exact same word. It's the Greek equivalent to the to the Hebrew word that means rainbow. Bow and, and rainbow are the same, and so the the Antichrist figure already holds the bow when he is given authority by God to conquer the saints as the last stage uh, of the age of the Gentiles. And, uh, and I think that's what we're seeing. And so it's not accidental that the LGBT movement, the LGBT movement has cloaked itself in the rainbow, which is the, literally the symbol and image of the presence and authority of God, that God put in the sky as, as, a, as a reassurance to humankind that he would never again destroy the earth by water. And, uh, and, yet, and that is what... The LGBTs have wrapped themselves in the yes. ultimate, the ultimate act of defiance uh, and uh, uh, and defilement of something that is associated with God Himself. Yeah, you quote Ezekiel twenty one twenty eight in uh, an article I read um, about the the curse of the LGBT rainbow. Uh, as the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. Then you add Revelation 4, 3, which says, Behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one who sat on the throne, and he sat, he that sat upon the throne, uh, was to look like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne. And you say, Satan, and therefore his antichrist human host, will cloak himself in the rainbow as an essential element of his claim to be the Messiah. I think we uh, don't often see that writing on the wall, Scott. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, the the church is woefully illiterate Hmm. these days. I mean, really, we have such a watered-down sense of of the Bible. Uh, And, uh, you know, people have, you know, three generations coming out of American seminaries that have sort of been stripped of their respect for the Old Testament as having any authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've lost the Hebrew cultural perspective of the apostles and the prophets. Everything has shifted over to a, a Greco-Roman perspective, which is often skewed in its interpretation of, of uh, important verses. And, uh, you know, all the consequences of all these things are a lack of authority, a lack of knowledge first, but then, and, and because of that, a lack of authority to be able to st- to stand up, um, you know, effectively ag- against this overthrow. This is this is a war of overthrow 
of Judeo-Christian civilization. This isn't just about, uh, uh, you know, some kind of cultural civil war in America. Yeah. This is a global mm-hmm. assault on Judeo-Christian civilization mm-hmm. itself, and the usurpers, the attackers, want to replace everything that we, uh, all of our presuppositions and premises of our civilization with a Marxist, with Marxist alternatives mm-hmm. that are extremely destructive, yes. unworkable, mm-hmm. and, have, and have always failed whenever they've been applied uh, in, in modern history. So, wow. Wow. Uh, Scott, we got about five minutes before the break, and I want to ask you about something called rainbow capitalism, and I know... I know a lot of money is is fueling this. Um, June to me is one big telethon, right? To, <laughs> to load money yep. into the right. coffers of LGBTQ to supposedly uh, ensure their civil rights, which they already have, and improve their quality of life, quote unquote. Corporations they put up these flags of solidarity, and then I think they're being challenged. Well, put your money where your mouth is. You know, Ford Foundation and all these companies that we see. How do you know? I I looked up to try and see how much money these. Um, Charities or nonprofits make in the month of June. Do, do you know? Is it is it millions upon millions? Well, I mean, if, if look at what uh, uh, BLM did in 2020, they got 83 billion dollars from corporate America, oh. and they're pikers compared to the gays. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the 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 gays are the ultimate sacred cow of the left, and you can you know that by looking at the holiday calendar uh, of the left. Blacks get the frozen wasteland of February, and women get the sort of the, the month of failed false starts in March. But the gays get not only get the very best month of summer, June, the full month, but they also get the full month of October, That's which right. is the best month in the fall. That's right. And that shows you who the real power is behind all this stuff. And uh, so if, the, if BLM got $83 billion, these guys are getting hundreds of billions of dollars uh, both in, in currency and in free media and et cetera, et cetera. Wow. Billion. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Well, we've talked a lot about how a, a lot of Christians, I mean, maybe they meant well and they thought they were supporting something good because, of course, they, we, we aren't racists, right? So let's support the Black Lives Matter. But it is the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation movement that is Marxist-driven, anti-Christ and anti-family and it's all about destruction, the destruction of capitalism in America. Where did I? What did I miss, Scott? Well, it's well. What you missed is that it's that it's carrying the water for the gays because all of this is being done for <laughs> yes. to the benefit of the LGBT agenda. That's part of that. It. The the blacks are being exploited, women are being exploited. Every other minority in the so-called coalition are all tools for advancing the LGBT agenda. It's been that way always. Mm. The gays took over. Remember who 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 started with the rainbow? It was Jesse Jackson. In fact, Jesse Jackson sort of borrowed it from the Black Panthers, right? And yet, along comes the LGBTs, and in the space of a couple of years, right, they're driving away in their rainbow bus, right, for the LGBT cause, and Jesse Jackson's standing on the side of the road hitchhiking, right? Because they took everything away from it. Wow. And uh, and and so this is. It's always been the point of the spear and the arm thrusting the spear wow. in this in the culture war. Thank you for making that connection. And yeah. for our very yeah. young listeners, uh, Scott Lively, who's Jesse Jackson? Jesse Jackson <laughs> ran for president. Right? He was the yeah. he was the most powerful black political figure. He had marched with Martin Luther King. 
uh, and uh, and and uh, he he was the dominant figure for a long time. And of course, the fact that they don't know his name anymore it, doesn't that tell you something? Yeah, mm-hmm. isn't that interesting? Yeah, and and Obama, I remember when he uh, bathed the White House in the rainbow lights, and I remember thinking, wait a minute. We own those buildings. You know, my husband and I look past, you know, look at all the federal buildings with these flags and say, our taxpayer money, you know, yeah. how do they get away with that? I don't understand well, how they get away with that. Obama was the it. worst. Oh, yeah, he Obama, was. Obama, himself a homosexual, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced. Uh, uh, Jerome Cur- uh, Corsi did a great article years ago in World Net Daily. It might still be there uh, about, homo- about Obama's, uh, the evidence for Obama being a homosexual. And there's more since then. But it was always, this was always his main priority. He's the guy. If you want to understand how the corporate world got so woke, it's Obama. Mm-hmm. If you want to understand why the, how the sports leagues ended up, of all things, the sports leagues ended up being champions of wokeness, it's Obama. Uh, if you want to understand how this went out through the entire world, became a global American-pushed movement, it's well. It actually goes back before Obama, but he's the one who put it on steroids. Yeah. Uh, you know, actually, it was Bush, Bush H.W. Uh, Bush. I mean, excuse me, George W. Bush, the mm-hmm. son, mm-hmm. Uh, was pushing uh, gay pride parade in Latvia. I was there with with the great late great pastor Ken Hutchison, uh, former football star, had a mega church in Seattle. Uh, me and him actually actually went to the U.S. Embassy in Riga to challenge the American uh, diplomats there because they were the ones who were sponsoring a gay pride parade in Riga against the wishes of like 98% of the population. Wow. Wow, there is so much more we need to discuss with Scott Lively. When we come back, make sure you, you check his 30 Days of Pride Month pushback at scottlively.net. More coming up in just a minute. Your prayers and ongoing financial support keep our Truth at Any Cost mission strong. StandUpForTheTruth.com So Scott Lively is with us today, and we're talking about uh, how you can respond in love, of course, but also by standing on the truth. And it's not going to always be popular. And uh, people might say, well, I know someone who's gay or lesbian or, or struggling with you know, transgenderism, and they're really a nice person. Um, well, that's fine. Most of us do. Scott, how do you respond to that? Hey, you know, would you take the same attitude with your friend or relative who's, a, who's an alcoholic? Would you affirm them in their alcoholism, or would you encourage them to seek help and overcome it? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, how can you say that you love someone when you affirm them in a sin that God condemns in the harshest term in Hebrew, toeva, mm-hmm. abomination? Mm-hmm. That's not love. Mm-hmm. That's what you're doing when you do that. You're protecting yourself. You're, you are you are so unwilling to even be uncomfortable in in standing up for the gospel that you are selling out to the devil in in the definitions that he is advocating uh, as uh, to undermine the church. Mm. So that's no small matter. So Scott, before we jump into a couple more of your topics for uh, for each day on the thirty days of Pride Month pushback. Um, Isaiah 3, uh, 8 through 12, is a good passage of Scripture. I just want to read a couple of verses, and this is what you said. They are actually rebelling in using this um, kind of as a banner. It says, For Jerusalem has stumbled, Judah has fallen, because their speech and their actions are against the Lord. They rebel against His glorious presence. The expression of their faces testifies against them, and they display their sin like 
Sodom, they do not even conceal it. Woe to them, for they have done evil to themselves. And then it goes on. Woe to the wicked. It will go badly for them. But uh, they display their sin like Sodom, and that's their, in their rebellion, that's exactly what they're proudly doing in Pride Month. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, that's exact. I think it speaks for itself, mm-hmm. right? They display their sin as Sodom. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's probably it's it's closer uh, to the to the to the meaning than the words themselves are, right? The if the the scripture that's that's being cited is is in a broader sort of prophetic context. Uh, you know, Isaiah is talking about the corruption of uh, Jerusalem prior to the the um, uh, the Babylonian overthrow. Um, but uh, but in terms of the the symbology it uses, it goes to the deeper spiritual issue that uh, when you when you display your sin like Sodom, mm-hmm. you know Sodom is the ultimate symbol of sexual rebellion against God, mm-hmm. and homosexuality is the ultimate betrayal of God because it's the abandonment of the one flesh paradigm that God created for us to live by, mm-hmm. and and even the founding fathers knew this. Thomas Jefferson. Our third president wrote a, uh, a restatement of the law. Uh, he was a lawyer, and in you know sodomy uh, classically uh, uh, means, and it's based right on Leviticus eighteen twenty-two and twenty-three. Uh, sodomy has is two parts: sex between two people of the same gender, and sex with animals. That is the common law definition of sodomy. And Jefferson wrote in his notes, you know, copying what the classicists. Uh, had uh, had determined was that the greater of the two is homosexuality because bestiality doesn't spread, hmm. and uh, and that is uh, that's the reality that our founders understood completely that we have lost because we've been given over to a humanistic perspective, a, a secular humanist perspective of things in the world, and we've lost our anchor. Uh, in the Bible, because we're afraid of being called haters and homophobes or whatever, by saying what the Bible really means, and then and that, of course, as soon as you give ground, the devil will take every bit of ground yep. that you surrender, and then he'll hold it. He'll hold mm-hmm. it. He'll build fortifications on it. So when you try to take it back, it's ten times harder than if you had just stood firm in the first place. Yeah. Scott, I've, I've noticed and, you know, through social media and friends around the world that this agenda is being exported from the U.S. all over the world. And there's something they're using to transform societies to accept the lifestyle and the militant activities. Um, it's like missionaries of evil, right? What you say. Um, yeah. but it says there's, there's sort of a strategy. There's, there's a, a chronological thing that goes on here. And it only starts with, um, flooding society with heterosexual pornography and sexual freedom, uh, that philosophy to corrupt the majority and lessen their, you know, to wear them down, lessen mm. their, their moral objections to homosexuality. And, um, this is through SORs, but I want to ask you what happens next in that, um, you know, progression in society and then what is an SOR and how does that nail the coffin shut? Yeah, it's, um, well, what, what you're, you're seeing, what you're describing there is a sp- spiritual phenomenon of the corruption of humanity through sexual sexual freedom so-called sexual freedom mm-hmm. and the place that you see that first uh, in any in a, in a in the in the context of something similar to what we're experiencing is numbers chapter 25 uh, you know Balaam uh, was hired by the king of, of uh, Moab to uh, curse God's people he couldn't do it God didn't let him do it 
and uh, and and he, he he did a workaround by teaching the king of Moab how to get the Israelites to destroy themselves. And so what they did is they sent in the Moabite women, right? The Moabite women who were completely given over to Canaanite demonic religion, hmm. which involved two things. Uh, extreme sexual perversion and uh, sacrifice of children, and human human sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, once the is, the Israelite men got sort of swept up in Moabite um, sexual freedom, then everything crumbled. Right, that's what they're doing here. And the way that they've done it, the way they started with it, is they've used the originally they were going to to um, they they were they didn't say they were born that way. They said that uh, they just had a right to engage in sexual freedom, and they were trying to get constitutional protection here in America using the Equal Protection Clause, right? That, uh, you know, they're, they're supposedly equivalent to, to heterosexual married couples, and therefore they should have the same freedoms. That was killed by uh, Bowers versus Hardwick in 1986, a majority opinion written by Byron White, a JFK appointee, uh, and 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 Bowers versus Hardwick recognized the right of states to, to criminalize and regulate sexual conduct in the public interest, specifically homosexual sodomy. Hmm. And two members of the court, Rehnquist and White, basically saying to to suggest that that homosexual sodomy is somehow implicit in the concept of ordered liberty, uh, uh, etc., is at best facetious. Right? Killed it. So they immediately pivoted to a completely different constitutional strategy in which they began claiming that they were, bo- they were, they were born that way, that it was an immutable condition, which they'd never uh, promoted before, and that therefore they deserve special minority status under civil rights laws, right? And that began, from 1986, began the completely new constitutional track. They spent 40 years getting to, the, to Bowers and lost. And then they started all over again with this new one. That's why uh, this whole campaign, the Born That Way and all that stuff, you don't see that much anymore. But in the 80s, it mm-hmm. was everywhere all the time. Yeah. And then, um, and, and the, so, so what they did, this is what a, a sexual orientation regulation is, SOR. It's an anti-discrimination policy based on sexual orientation. And so, and so it's sexual orientation, which is purely subjective and self-declared by a person. Right. Mm-hmm. There's not some immutable condition. There's not some something. There's no objective proof that, you know, if you say you're gay and you claim it as a sexual orientation, there's no way to disprove it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's, it's not objective. It's it's a subjective internal self-declaration. Well, if that if you can get um, anti-discrimination, if you can include sexual orientation in the anti-discrimination laws, you essentially criminalize all disapproval of homosexuality. Mm-hmm in violation of the dis- of anti-discrimination. And that's what they did. That's what a sexual orientation regulation is. It puts in the civil rights laws the protection for sexual orientation so that anybody that opposes it is a criminal, right, and who can be prosecuted or kicked out of his job or whatever. And that's what they've been doing. They started in the U.S. and in the U.K. simultaneously. The, the Brits call it sexual orientation regulations we never had any label for it over here, which made it harder to fight. Um, but that's what it is. And and when I was in Moldova years ago, helping them to record, they tried to push this through back in 2011, right? Mm. And I went there. They actually actually brought me over to Moldova to help them, help to, to give seminars. On the flight over there, it came out that they were going to secretly push through 
a, a sexual orientation regulations for the whole country. And then I got off the plane and they, we went right into emergency session. How are we going to stop this? And we did. We rallied. I did a bunch of media. We rallied. We had public demonstrations and we killed it. Wow. Right. And, and the thing was, Biden, who was vice president at the time, was going to was scheduled to come over a couple weeks later to celebrate the passage of this thing. And they weren't able to do it. But I during that, the Holy Spirit prompted me to begin describing this as that a, 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 an anti-discrimination policy based on sexual orientation is the seed that contains the entire tree of the LGBT agenda with all of its poisonous fruit. Mm-hmm. And that is that's that's it. It mm-hmm. is the seed that contains the entire agenda. Mm-hmm. Once it gets planted, you cannot stop it growing to its full height. It just takes a while. Right. So the parades and the gay marriage and all that is just pretty much the end game here. It's the symptom of something that's been going on for a very long time, right? I mean, Deeply what rooted. we're seeing, what we're seeing is the end of the plant. Yeah. That's right. A, a gay wow. pride parade is an in-your-face demonstration of power granted to them by the anti-discrimination laws. And if you stand up and if you as a city official try to deny them a gay pride parade, you will suffer. You'll get sued. You'll have to pay lots of money. Uh, You may lose your job. And all that came from that. Now, I was the spokesman in Oregon back in 1991. We we launched the No Special Rights Act, which was the the magic bullet. This was the silver bullet that was going to kill that strategy. And uh, and, you know. We failed in Oregon because we were up against Portland and Multnomah County, which oh. <laughs> wins all the state elections. Yeah. But, uh, but our sister organization in Colorado passed it. Conservative Colorado passed it as Amendment 2. And we won the culture war with that battle because the Supreme Court was, had already established criteria for whether somebody gets minority status or not. And they did not qualify. They just did not. Hmm. And but but to Kennedy, the worst enemy of the family in the history of the court, the guy who established single handedly practically gay cultural supremacy, he wrote all four of the majority opinions on this stuff. He this was the first of the cases, he just simply declared that Amendment two was invalid on its face because the electorate was motivated by hatred. Oh. What? Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. Right? And, and so no constitutional analysis was required. Because it was invalid on its face. And then, and at the same time, he taught the left all over America that the way to defeat the conservatives on any issue that gets before the judiciary is to accuse the conservatives of being motivated by hate. And that's what we've been facing ever since yeah. Kennedy did that. Yeah. And by the way, you mentioned the early 90s, uh, Colorado was conservative. Now they're bluer than blue with a gay governor, and it, it is a very deeply blue state, unfortunately. But and, yeah, back- that's how it happened. Yeah. That's how it happened. Hmm. We, because once you get an anti-discrimination policy in place, you can go hunting, right? You can, if you're an LGBT activist, you can go hunting for your enemies using that as a weapon, right? They were intended initially, to, you, you know, they were asking for protections, in housing and employment, right? But, you know, pr- pr- protect us from being fired or losing our home just for being gay, right? That's how they sold these laws. Right. Mm-hmm. But once they were in place, they completely dropped the pretext of protection, and they began using them as a sword, as a, an offensive weapon against people who disagreed, taking them out left and right, using the... And that's how they took down the Boy Scouts, ultimately, too. It was the... Uh, it was the, the Boy Scouts won... 
in Gale versus Boy Scouts of America, the Boy Scouts won a U.S. Supreme Court case recognizing their right to discriminate on the basis of homosexuality. Hmm. But because these guys are so completely relentless, they never stopped. Wow. And they finally, they got, they got uh, two people on their board, um, uh, Gates, Robert Gates, former defense secretary, and Tillerson, Rex Tillerson. They're the guys who orchestrated the takedown of the Boy Scouts uh, just after or just before they took down the uh, uh, Don't Ask, Don't Tell in the military. Those two guys wow. uh, are the reasons why the Boy Scouts finally caved. And how did they do it? They got on the board, and then while the activists on the outside started going after the big donors on the grounds that they had all adopted anti-discrimination policies in their corporate employment uh, um, regulations, and therefore they were in violation of their own rules by funding the Boy Scouts. And, you know, that, 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 that's how, you know, they using that one-two strategy with the fifth columnist on the board itself, the Boy Scouts folded. Mm-hmm. And then, the, and then the, and then the uh, U.S. military folded too. Clearly, and they're they're suffering a recruiting shortage in the last two years. But the Girl Scouts too. Just new article came out. They're now being encouraged. We're talking about kindergarten age Girl Scouts to earn a rainbow striped fun patch by celebrating Pride Month, reading LGBTQ books, attending a Pride parade. Girl Scouts, yeah, young they, young girls they are getting come out of the clo- the closet on that. The Girl yeah. Scouts actually caved before the Boy Scouts did, but this takes it to a whole new level. You know, this is see the five stages of homofascism that I've been teaching on for years. It's tolerance, which I tolerance is is okay. Uh, allowing people to have freedom in their private lives as long as they're discreet about it. You know, sort of a culture-wide don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> would, was worked in the 50s, it could work now. But acceptance, the next stage, is where you would, they, they get a place at the table. Mm. Then celebration is the third step. You know, gay pride parades, etc., etc. Fourth, which where most of America is at right now, is forced participation in gay culture. Mm. And that's what this thing would, would, you know, these little girls aren't being forced to do it, really, but they are. You're getting, uh, yeah. Because it's, they're being coerced yes. by, by adult pressure. And then the last stage, five, is the punishment of all dissenters. And, uh, and they've been doing this all along, wherever they can get away with it, which has been small pockets. I've faced incredible persecution because of my stand. But more and more, they have the ability to do this openly. And when they finally have completed stage four, uh, and, and it's not completed yet, but it's moving very fast, then it's going to come down. People like me are going to get thrown in jail. Mm. I mean, I could literally be thrown in jail for having written the pink swastika if this thing comes to the full expression where they simply declare that speaking out against the agenda is the equivalent of a hate crime mm-hmm. and, uh, and you should be punished for it. That, that's, uh, that's what's coming. Well, that's why we started off this podcast. Before we got into Pride Month and the rainbow and the hijacking of things here, we talked about uh, just the Equality Act and, and the hate crimes legislation that they've been trying right. to get through. And I want to go back to Colorado briefly and talk about Jack Phillips. He's the most high-profile example of someone right, exactly. who has been persecuted, whose case went to the Supreme Court. The Colorado Civil Rights Commission came against him and accused him of discrimination because he said, I want to run my bakery, my bake shop like this. And there are all kinds of other bakeries around there. But no, they had to go to his. And because he said no to their cake, they sued him. And he's been going through this for, I don't know, is it 12 years now, Scott? Yeah, it'll it'll be for the rest of his life. They will never give up. Yeah. He will be, and, and thank God that he's had the, the, 
the ability to persevere in this because I'm telling you, it it gets very difficult after a while. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's easiest to do it when you're sort of a hero of the conservative movement and you get invited to be a speaker and all that. But mm-hmm. when the when the grinding wheel keeps grinding you for years after that, and you're pretty much standing alone, and uh, you know it's hard, very mm-hmm. hard. It takes a takes takes a special yeah. kind of person to do that. Yeah. And but he is a canary in the coal mine. And uh, what they're doing to him, they've done to everybody else, and they never stop until they yeah. crush them. And that's that's it's the Borg, man. It's the yeah. Borg. Yeah, it really. Is. Uh, and and that's that's what we're facing with these guys. But Jesus Christ is bigger than the Borg. Yeah. Right. And His truth and the and and the Bible plan uh, for a, an end to all of this with the return of Christ and the crushing of his enemies. When he returned, the, the, the Jesus that's coming back is not a baby in a manger, right? <laughs> He's not a suffering servant. No. He's a conquering king. That's right. right? His robes are dipped in blood, whose, whose eyes are blazing with fury. And he's and he bears a flaming sword, right? This is this is the Jesus who's coming back. And that and he's the one who's going to put all this right. And between then and now, we're supposed to do what we can to stand up for for truth and continue to do it even as we lose. I've been I've been fighting a rearguard action my entire career, right? Mm. More than 30 years. I've been on this from at the for the peak of the pro family movement was was uh, the early 90s uh, when the Reagan revolution sort of peaked, you know, slightly after his term ended. And uh, and I've been I've been uh sort of fighting this rearguard action ever since. And uh, so I know better than most people, you know, the trajectory that we're facing and the unlikelihood of being able to do anything to stop it. Mm-hmm. So my eyes are set on the return of the mm-hmm. Lord and uh, and my and my attention. And I urge people to put this all in the perspective of prophecy, because that's where we're at. We, you yeah. know, we are in the beginning of sorrows, I believe, with all this. And, uh, you know, Jesus says, you know, lift up your head because your redemption draweth nigh. Amen. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that perspective, Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to encourage people to go to scottlively.net. 30 days of Pride Month pushback. And today, since you mentioned the Reagan revolution, today's uh, entry is Ronald Reagan versus the gay conservative myth. And I would just love for you to just touch on that because in that you say, sadly, post-Reagan Republicans have proven to be endlessly gullible and susceptible to the uh, strategies of the LGBT manifesto. Share your thoughts on that in the, the remaining yeah, uh, five Ronald minutes. Ronald Reagan was really the last pro-family hero that we had in this country. Mm. Uh, nobody's been able to do it since then, even Trump. Yeah. Uh, Ronald Reagan uh, was, uh, was steeped in the homosexual culture of the left in California. Right, Screen Actors Guild president, you know, governor of California, uh, and I think he drank some of the Kool-Aid because mm. in 1987 or 78, no, 80, 87, uh, no, it had to be 78, 78. He, uh, he, he helped to, to defeat the Griggs Amendment, which would have banned homosexuals from being public school teachers. Now, um, if, if that had passed and if that had been sustained, we wouldn't have the problems that we have today because yes. so much of what's happened is the gays took over the teachers. Yes. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they've been indoctrinating the kids for, mm-hmm. for three generations now. Right. But Ronald Reagan learned his lesson from that. He saw them flood into the teachers' union and take it over and become his worst enemies. Mm. And so when he became president, he was the strongest pro-family advocate that we've had in the presidency uh, in the modern world. 
uh, and uh, and he was so powerful as a result of his stands on these things, the Bushes couldn't keep him out. Right? <laughs> they had to settle for putting H.W. Bush in as vice president. Then they bided their time until after he was gone to begin undoing uh, what he had done. Mm. It was his, his strongest ally in the court was Antonin Scalia, uh, who was the defender of the Bowers versus Hardwick opinion, uh, and uh, and and they followed it up with some other positive things, but. Um, I believe, actually, that uh, that Anthony Kennedy, so-called Justice Anthony Kennedy, was the punishment of Ronald Reagan mm. for trying to put a second Scalia on the court in the form of Robert Bork, right? Robert Bork, the borking of Bork, was the first time the Uniparty did, went, came all out, you know, all guns blazing, knives out, to take down somebody that opposed the elites. And uh, he, despite all of Reagan's power and uh, and and his this vast network of conservatives, they did defeat him. And and the, and his punishment was he had to nominate Anthony Kennedy to the Supreme Court. And Kennedy went in and dismantled everything that Scalia stood for. Wow. He was the anti-Scalia, yeah. and he wrote all four majority opinions establishing gay cultural supremacy in the country. And then, and after he did Obergefell v. Hodges in 2015, the so-called gay marriage case. His uh, uh, Peter Thiel, right, the homosexual billionaire, right, uh, hired Kennedy's son Gregory uh, to be the COO of his uh, uh, of, of of a company that he controls, and uh, and you know I I put that out in in this piece also. But anyway, Reagan was a was a good good man. The pro family movement peaked just after his term ended, the early nineties. Mm-hmm. We won the culture war with the No Special Rights Act. And then Kennedy just ripped it, ripped the victory right out of our hands and set us on the trajectory of, of, of inevitable defeat mm-hmm. across the board um, by the, uh, the rulings that he made in those four cases. Justice. And that's where we are right now. Yep. Ah, it's going to be fascinating. The war continues, and uh, our mission as a church has not changed. And that's this, you know, by the way, if, if you think preaching the gospel is important, friends, you will want to stand for our right to free speech and against these uh, sexual orientation, gender identity laws, and these other things, the hate crimes and Equality Act and everything else, because that will affect our ability to tell the truth from the Bible and to preach the gospel. Is that right, Scott? That's right. We need yeah. to be doing everything that we yes. can. Uh, to get people, you know, the, remember the, the, uh, the old saying, love the sinner, hate the sin. Oh man, the LGBTs hate that. I mean, and the, the, the gay theologists went overboard trying everything they could to get stop Christians saying that. But you know what it really is? It's a paraphrase of, uh, of, of Jude 1, 7 through 23. Right. It love, love the sinner, hate the sin. And that our duty is to is to rescue those, to pull those out of the fire that we can. Right. To yes. bring people yes. into the lifeboat of the of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because the, the floodwaters are rising. Yes. And, uh, and and it's our duty. These kids, especially these mm-hmm. kids have never lived there. Not a day of their life. Have they ever lived where there were where the pro where, where the, the natural family was prime had primacy yes. in their world, uh, maybe in their homes, perhaps. Uh, but uh, it's it's our duty to rescue all of them, especially the kids mm-hmm. uh, yes. from this the snare that the devil has created for for all of us to fall into. Amen. Scott Lively Check out the 30 Days of Pride Month pushback. Tomorrow, Todd Nettleton, Voice of the Martyrs, talking about the Day of the Christian Martyr.
coming up next week. And in the second segment tomorrow, we'll be talking about some other articles along the similar lines of what we've been saying today. But anyway, God bless you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter. 